Welcome back to your therapy tools. Today's episode in the addiction series is focusing on alcohol. And I would like to start this out by just kind of explaining how the brain works in normal healthy function. So your brain is really a high complex network of about a hundred billion neurons and neurons are nerve cells that transmit information throughout the body by sending chemical and electrical messages back and forth like a thousand times a minute and it controls everything we think feel and do at the receiving end of a neuron there are structures known as dendrites and they receive electrical signals that transport into the cell body where they're processed from the cell body that signal travels into like a long skinny nerve fiber known as an axon and the neuron terminates at the end of the axon so between neurons there's a gap known as a synapse when a neuron needs to relay an electrical message to the adjoining neuron It manufactures chemical messengers known as neurotransmitters. So the neuron stores these chemicals in little packets called vesicles. The electrical signal causes the vesicles to open up and release the neurotransmitters into the synapse. So you've heard me talk about that groove that our brain creates when I talk about um, rewiring your brain. So this is how the grooves are made. The neurotransmitters travel across the synapse and like a key in a lock, they link up to specialized receptors on the receiving neuron. Once a message has been received by the receiving neuron, the neurotransmitter molecules will disconnect from the receptors and move back into the synapse where they re-enter the sending neuron through a special structure called a transporter. So once back in the sending neuron, the transmitters become available again to send out future messages. And the process of the neurotransmitter moving back into the sending neuron is known as reuptake. So scientists have identified um, a lot of neurotransmitters and each individual neuron manufactures one or more of them. And each type of neurotransmitter produces particular effects depending on what area of the brain that they act on. So that's that's how a normal, um, healthy, functioning brain works that is not um, affected by substances. So when you think about the normal effect... Uh, you would think, okay, there's normal amounts of dopamine, GABA, glutamine, epinephrine, serotonin, all those chemicals that regulate our mood and our well-being and our comfort levels and all those things. So in a normal functioning brain, that's how it works. It's um, sent out travels over to the other neuron, it's accepted, then it's spit back out and sent back. Like, think about those um, little carts in a, like in a mine, 
So they fill them up with gold or coal or whatever, and they transport through the tunnel, and then everybody unloads who's waiting on the other side. They unload the coal or the diamonds or the gold, whatever it is, and then they send the empty cart back in to be filled up again. So that's kind of how it works. Now, neurotransmitters affected by drugs and alcohol, um, it affects them in different ways. So it could increase the activity of certain chemicals while inhibiting the activity of others. Um, it depends on how the drug interacts with the neurotransmitters that creates the effect on the mind and body. So dopamine, uh, that's a feel-good brain chemical. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's, uh, it produces like a really good sense of pleasure and well-being. It's also involved in learning and memory. Dopamine is highly concentrated in areas of the brain that affect motivation, feelings of pleasure and reward, and it plays an important role in um, motivation to use drugs and other substances. One thing all psychoactive drugs have in common is they cause a massive dopamine release in the pleasure center of the brain. And that's where the addiction comes from because you feel so good, so euphoric in the beginning stages of addiction. Um, and who doesn't want to feel that great all the time? The next chemical in the brain, GABA, or GABA amino butyric acid, it's an inhibitive neurotransmitter, which means it slows down neural activity to produce a sedative effect that reduces anxiety, promotes a sense of calmness. Um, drugs that enhance GABA activity include alcohol and benzodiazepines like clonopin or Xanax. Glutamate is another chemical. It's a stimulatory neurotransmitter and that means that it increases neural activity to produce feelings of alertness and excitability. Glutamine plays an important role in cognitive function, memory and learning, and its activity is enhanced by stimulant drugs like cocaine, Adderall, etc. While depressants like alcohol will decrease glutamine activity. So it zaps your energy because Alcohol is not a stimulant. Okay. Serotonin. This neurotransmitter um, gives us sensory sensations, motor function, hormone secretion, memory, and mood. Meth and the drug MDMA elevate serotonin, but repeated prolonged use causes a decrease in the reuptake, which ultimately results in lower than normal serotonin levels. This can cause depression, anxiety, memory problems, and paranoia. Norepinephrine is a neurotransmitter involved in functions like sensory processing, movement, memory, and mood. Adderall and cocaine will raise those levels to increase alertness and improve mood. So that just that's just to give you an idea. And you know if you um, if you are increasing something 
in a um, unnatural way or a repetitive, forceful way. You know that eventually it will wear out whatever structure is being um, so extensively used. And it's the same in your brain. Um, the reuptake will start to slow way down. Uh, remember in the meth episode in the addiction series, um, I talked about your brain shooting out all the happy chemicals and think of it like a, a hose. So like the neuron shoots out all this happy chemical because you just did some drugs. And over time, that that area begins to wear out and it stops functioning as well as it should. Neurotransmitters have a variety of functions and they all act differently in uh, different brain structures within the reward system. So the nucleus accumbens is a cluster of nerve cells located beneath the cerebral cortex. That's the brain's pleasure center. So when you engage in enjoyable activities, dopamine floods the nucleus accumbens and gives you those feelings of total bliss and joy. The hippocampus is the memory center of the brain and that's an, that plays an important role in um, forming memories associated with drug-seeking behavior. It also coordinates emotion-based responses to internal and external events. And the amygdala, that creates a conditioned response to certain stimuli. The conditioned response includes cravings when a certain stimuli like a person place or thing or emotion are present triggers so when certain triggers are present you start having cravings drug-induced changes in the amygdala contribute to high anxiety and several other negative symptoms when the drug is withheld and these negative symptoms uh, they definitely feed that drive within us to keep on using the drug. And the prefrontal cortex, that's the part of the brain that takes care of planning and executing our tasks. It's also associated with awareness and self-control. So dysfunction in the prefrontal cortex, um, that can lead to decreased sensitivity to normal non-drug pleasures. So you lose... You lose your excitement for life and the things that used to bring you joy. And uh, it creates a decrease in the ability to stop engaging in those dysfunctional behaviors. So just a little education on brain function before we jump into what alcohol does to you. It's important to understand what it does to your body and brain. And you may be thinking alcohol is legal so it can't be all that bad. Well, cigarettes are legal too, and they're not healthy. Alcohol's not healthy. In small doses, alcohol is considered to be healthy, so I'm talking very small doses. Um, and if, you, if you're suffering with addiction and impulse control issues, you probably cannot drink in moderation. So it's all or nothing with alcohol. Or if you don't suffer with addiction, then you're the type of person who can have a, 
couple drinks at a party or a holiday and then go for weeks or months without drinking and not even think about drinking. Somebody with alcohol addiction, they love that that feeling, that tipsy kind of dizziness that alcohol brings. So they get hooked on that feeling. It's an escape. It's an escape. So what does alcohol do to the brain and body? Alcohol abuse is a pattern of problem drinking. It results in several health consequences, social issues. However, alcohol dependence or alcoholism is a disease that is characterized by abnormal alcohol-seeking behavior that leads to impairment in control. So your control factors are impaired by your desire to drink. Short-term effects of alcohol use include blurry, distorted vision, hearing issues, definitely coordination issues, think about the stumbling drunk person, impaired judgment, altered perceptions and emotions, bad breath and hangovers. Long-term effects of heavy alcohol use include loss of appetite, vitamin deficiencies, stomach issues, skin problems, sexual impotence, liver damage, heart and central nervous system damage, and of course, memory loss. So alcohol, um, it does a lot more than that to the body, but that's just a brief overview. Alcohol can cause you to have difficulty with walking, slur your speech, slowed reaction time. Clearly, alcohol affects the brain. Um, Some of these impairments are very detectable after just a couple of drinks, and they quickly go away when you stop drinking. Like if you're the, uh, the person without addiction issues and you have a few glasses of champagne on New Year's Eve, You might feel giddy and dizzy and silly and sing and dance with everybody and just love the world. And then tomorrow have a mild hangover and then your symptoms go away completely because you don't drink anymore until the next party or whatever. But if you're the person who drinks repeatedly day after day after day, these symptoms do not clear up. They continue. So, um... When you're drinking very heavily over long periods of time, like day after day, you have um, brain deficits and they'll persist well after you achieve sobriety. So you sleep it off, you get up in the morning. Those deficits are still there, even though you haven't had a drink yet. And um, the way that alcohol affects the brain and the likelihood of reversing the impact of heavy drinking on the brain Um, That's a hot topic in alcohol research currently. So they're not sure if your brain can truly repair itself. However, other studies show that our brain is extremely resilient. We can rewire our brain by changing our thinking, which has been proven. We can, our brain can repair itself. Um, Studies of the human brain have been going on for a very long time and we still 
do not 100% understand exactly all of the functions of the brain. It's a, it's a pretty miraculous organ in our body. So um, what studies do show is that heavy drinking has extensive and far-reaching effects on the brain, ranging from simple slips in memory to permanent and debilitating conditions that require lifetime custodial care. So some people, it damages them so badly that they need a caretaker for the rest of their life to help them with day-to-day tasks and paying bills and some some even with um, bathing. So um, even moderate drinking can lead to short-term impairment, research has shown. Um, a number of factors influence how and to what extent alcohol will affect your brain, including how much and how often you're drinking, the age at which you first began to drink, and how long, how many years have you been drinking, your age currently, your level of education, gender, genetic background, and family history of alcoholism, whether or not you are at risk as a result of prenatal alcohol exposure and your general health status. So alcohol alert reviews some common disorders associated with alcohol-related brain damage and the people at greatest risk for impairment. So think about um, if you have an issue with alcohol, I'm sure you've experienced a blackout or a memory lapse. Alcohol can produce um, detectable impairments in memory after just a few drinks. And as the amount that you drink increases, so does the degree of your impairment. So if if you do a bunch of shots of hard alcohol or chug a bunch of beers and, and you you haven't eaten and you have an empty stomach, um, you're more likely to black out. <clears throat> Especially if you're a light drinker who doesn't drink a lot, um, you'll probably have a blackout if you down a whole bunch of alcohol and an empty stomach. Uh, people who drink consistently, they have blackouts pretty consistently too. They're much more common among social drinkers, though. And um, the effects of this is that you you wake up the next day and you have an absolute lapse of time. You, you don't remember anything that happened after your fifth shot of whiskey. And your friends or whoever was there with you might uh, tell you what kind of behavior you engaged in. You could have been driving while blacked out. You could have gotten angry and attacked somebody while you were blacked out. You could have decided to take a bath and almost drown because you blacked out. You may have engaged in risky sexual behavior with a stranger because you blacked out and your logic was taking a nap at the time. So, scary. It's scary to um, think about that because... You're absolutely not in control of your own body when you black out. You're gone and your body is just animated some other way. Some other dark side of your brain has taken over 
and you have no recollection of it. Drinkers who experience blackouts typically drink too much too fast. It causes their blood alcohol levels to rise very rapidly. Um, college students are at greater risk for experiencing blackouts. Binge drinkers um, consuming, consuming five or more drinks in two hours. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For men, four or more drinks in two hours for women are prone to blackouts. Women are more vulnerable than men to um, many of the medical consequences of alcohol use. So alcoholic women develop cirrhosis, alcohol-induced damage of the heart muscle, and nerve damage after fewer years of heavy drinking than alcoholic men would. And studies compare men and women's sensitivity to alcohol-induced brain damage, but that hasn't been entirely conclusive as of yet. So using imaging and computerized um, tomography, there's a couple of studies that compare brain shrinkage. It's a common indicator of brain damage in alcoholic men and women and reported that male and female alcoholics both show significantly greater brain shrinkage than the other control subjects. So the other control subjects are non-alcoholics. They're not drinkers. Studies also also show that um, both men and women have similar learning and memory problems as a result of heavy drinking. And the difference is that alcoholic women reported that they had been drinking excessively for only about half as long as the men in the studies that were done here. So this indicates that a woman's brain, like other organs, are more vulnerable to alcohol-induced damage than men. Yet other studies have not shown such definitive findings. Um, In fact, there are two other reports that appear side-by-side in the American Journal of Psychiatry. They contradict each other on the question of gender-related vulnerability to brain shrinkage and alcoholism. So... You know, of course, we need more research on the topic, um, especially because alcoholic women have uh, received a lot less attention in research than men, um, even though there's a lot of evidence that shows that women tend to be more vulnerable to the effects. People who have been drinking large amounts of alcohol for long periods of time have the risk of developing severe changes in the brain damage to the brain it can be the result of um, alcohol on the brain or may result indirectly from poor general health because of severe liver disease Um, thiamine deficiency is a common occurrence in people with alcoholism and it results from overall poor nutrition thiamine also known as vitamin b1 
is an essential nutrient required by all tissues, including the brain. Thiamine is found in foods such as meat and poultry, whole grain cereals, nuts, and dried beans. Many foods in the United States commonly are fortified with it, and as a result, most people consume sufficient amounts in their diets. But when you drink a lot of alcohol, it somehow kills that in your body, so you don't get the benefits. Up to 80% of alcoholics have a deficiency in thiamine and thiamine. Some of these people will go on to develop serious brain disorders, such as, I hope I don't uh, <laughs> completely wreck the pronunciation of this, but Wernick-Korsakoff syndrome, and it's abbreviated WKS. So WKS is a disease that consists of two separate syndromes, a short-lived severe condition and a long-lasting debilitating condition known as Korsakoff's psychosis. So the symptoms of this include mental confusion, paralysis of the nerves that move your eyes, um, oculomotor disturbances, and difficulty with muscle coordination. Patients with Wernicke's may may be too confused to find their way out of a room or they may not even be able to walk. Um, they don't exhibit all three of these signs and symptoms and clinicians working with alcoholics have to be aware that this disorder could be present even if the patient shows only one or two of the symptoms. Studies performed after death indicate that most cases of thiamine deficiency related um, may not be diagnosed in life because not all the classic signs and symptoms were ever present. So this is a, this is a, an issue that can result directly from too much drinking. How scary is that? Approximately 80 to 90% of alcoholics with Wernicke's um, also develop Korsakoff's psychosis. So it's a chronic and debilitating syndrome persistent learning and memory issues and patients with the psychosis are forgetful they're quickly frustrated they have difficulty um, with coordination physically like in walking and although these patients have problems remembering old information it is their difficulty in laying down uh, new information that is the most striking so for example they can talk about um, they can give you great detail and clarity on something that happened in their past, but an hour later they might not remember ever having that conversation with you. Interesting, huh? So the, the cerebellum, it's an area of the brain responsible for coordinating movement and perhaps um, even some forms of learning. It appears to be um, very sensitive to the effects of thiamine deficiency, and it's the region most frequently damaged in association with chronic alcohol consumption. Administering thiamine helps to improve brain function, especially in patients in the early stages of WKS. So when damage to the brain is more severe, the course of care will shift from treatment to providing support. <sighs> Liver disease. We've all heard about that, right? Alcohol 
will uh, make fatty deposits on your liver and cause major issues to your liver. Most people realize heavy long-term drinking damages your liver, the organ chiefly responsible for breaking down alcohol into a harmless byproduct and clearing it from your body. But what you might not realize is that prolonged liver dysfunction, such as cirrhosis due to excessive alcohol drinking, can harm your brain. So from your liver to your brain damage, leading to a serious and potentially fatal brain disorder known as hepatic encephalopathy. That's hard to pronounce. (laughs) I hope I didn't uh, destroy that word. Okay, so I'm going to call it HE. It can cause changes in sleep patterns, mood, and personality. Psychiatric conditions uh, include anxiety and depression, severe cognitive effects, um, shortened attention span, problems with coordination, and in very serious cases, you could go into a coma, which could be fatal. Imaging, uh, new imaging techniques enable researchers to study specific brain regions in patients with alcoholic liver disease gives them a better understanding of how he develops so the study um, goes on to confirm that manganese has a role in development of he alcohol damaged liver cells allow excess amounts of harmful byproducts to enter your brain therefore harming your brain cells. So the treatment for this is, um, it's a treatment that lowers blood ammonia concentrations. Techniques such as liver assist devices or artificial livers that clear your blood of harmful toxins. The initial study patients using these devices showed lower amounts of ammonia circulating in their blood and their HE became less severe. Um, And then at the end of that is liver transplants. So alcohol on the developing brain, if you are between the ages of 12 and 25, realize that your brain is not fully matured to adulthood until you are 25. Therefore, you are putting alcohol into a developing brain, putting alcohol or um, drugs into a developing brain causes several issues, including arrested development. Arrested development is when you're stuck at a phase of development because you did not progress through the other required developmental stages in order to mature. So let's say you started drinking at the age of 16 and you are now 35. You are perpetually 16 in the mind, in maturity level. Um, You probably throw fits and slam doors when you don't get your way. You act like a teenager. You have a silly sense of humor and nothing wrong with that. But in, in, in maturity terms of relationships, Um, job stability those kind of things you might be finding it very hard to function and life seems very hard for you because you stunted yourself 
at the age of 16 by becoming addicted to a substance or alcohol. So drinking during pregnancy, this can lead to a range of physical learning and behavioral effects on the developing brain of the fetus. And we've heard about fetal alcohol syndrome. Children with fetal alcohol syndrome have distinct facial features. Infants are also markedly smaller than other babies who are born healthy. Their brains have less volume and they may have fewer numbers of brain cells or neurons to function correctly, leading to long-term problems in learning and behavior. They have skin folds at the corners of their eyes. They have a small head circumference, small eye opening, small mid face, short nose, instinct groove between the nose and upper lip, and a really thin upper lip. As scientists are investigating the use of complex motor training and medications to prevent or reverse this damage found in people prenatally exposed to alcohol. So they are working on treatment, but the best treatment is prevention. If you are pregnant, please don't drink. Because it's not just your life anymore, it's somebody else's. So growing new brain cells. For decades, scientists believed that the number of nerve cells in the adult brain were fixed early in life. So if damage occurred, then the best way to treat it would be by strengthening the existing neurons as new ones could never be added. But in the 60s, researchers found that new neurons do generate in adulthood. And um, this is a process called neurogenesis. So these new cells originate from stem cells, which are cells that divide indefinitely and renew themselves. And they give rise to a variety of cell types. The discovery of brain stem cells and adult neurogenesis provides a new way of approaching the problem of alcohol-related changes in the brain that may lead to a clearer understanding of how to best treat and cure alcoholism. So stem cell research, um, that's a hot topic too. That's a big debate in a lot of corners. <laughs> but um, they're finding that it's it's a possible cure. So all alcoholics, you know, of course are not alike. They experience different degrees of impairment and the disease has a different origin for different people. If you grew up around alcoholics, there's a pretty high chance you might become one or you are one. Um, and then there's, you know, some people who grew up surrounded by alcoholics who never became an alcoholic themselves. Um, but they're used to being around people who are experiencing that uh, memory gap, who repeat the same stories over and over, who forget that they told you a certain story last night and they tell it to you again tomorrow morning when they're not drinking. Um, you just kind of get used to being around people like that. Whereas other people um, wouldn't be able to stand it and they would scream and pull their hair out and say, shut up. <laughs> so um, that's where the codependency kicks in. If you've been growing up around alcoholics your whole life and whether you became one as well or not, 
Um, you very likely have some codependent uh, traits that you struggle with, such as being a people pleaser and trying to make sure everybody's happy and being a caretaker for everybody, taking care of all of their needs because, you know, they're drunk, they're going to hurt themselves. They're drunk, they haven't eaten for 12 hours. So you find that you uh, begin a lot of caretaking and that caretaking is taking away from you and your self-care and it's causing you stress. And so you may you may turn to drinking as well. Can't beat them, join them, right? But there is hope, there is help. AA meetings are wonderful. Um, going through a 12-step program and seriously committing to it is amazing. If, if you go to these meetings, if you go to a meeting and you don't like anybody there, there's another meeting down the street, you know? And you can find a meeting almost any time, any day, anywhere that you are. You just have to go to the Alcoholics Anonymous website and check it out, and you can find a list of meetings. There are also virtual meetings everywhere. So um, I could jump on my computer right now and pull up an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting or Al-Anon, and that's for people who grew up and have been around alcoholics their whole lives. It, there's a support group for them too to help them get rid of those codependent traits, to help them become more empowered and take care of themselves and stop caretaking others. There's also Narcotics Anonymous, Sex Addicts Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, whatever your addiction is, you can get help. If you have been drinking for a very long time and you have had trouble with the legal system and you've had health issues, you need to get help. And you've probably had a lot of broken relationships and probably a lot of stress on your family and friends who love you. They're scared for you. So don't give up hope. Go get some help. You're damaging your body. And not not only the things that I mentioned, but you can end up with cancer. You can end up... People who die from alcoholism, this is what... This is how it's described. I've heard it described this way since childhood. He or she died, and boy, it wasn't pretty. It was rough. They died from alcoholic-related issues. And it was painful and ugly. So that right there is a great deterrent. And your memory, your memory is so important. How can you live if you can't learn and retain information? How can you live if you can't control yourself? Your memory, your sense of control, your sense of well-being, all of those things are so important to a, to a happy life. So if you're struggling with drinking, I hope that you will choose to get help and see a therapist and try to learn what you're running from and what you're hiding from by drinking. Because most of the time, there's something we're running away from. There's something we're self-medicating against that we don't want to deal with. As sometimes it's fear of seeing ourselves, truly seeing ourselves for who we are. So I hope this was helpful and 
I hope that if you have issues with alcohol, you will get help because you're worth it. You're a beautiful human being and you deserve better than to die from alcohol. Have a great day. I hope you make very healthy, happy choices and know that you are in control and you always, always have a choice when it comes to your own thoughts, your own actions, and your life. Make it the best it can be and be the best version of you today.